Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Good morning, everybody. Amen. It's so good to see all of you guys here today. Uh, If you are visiting with us, and I've never had the opportunity and the privilege to meet you, my name is Quentin. Uh, My wife and I, we have the great opportunity to uh, lead this church, and so we're just glad that wherever you came from today that you're here. Amen? Amen. Listen, this morning we are going to uh, wrap up our latest series entitled Decisions. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this series as much as I have. It's been really good for me to maybe reprocess a lot of the things that are in this. And, and it's not only encouraged me, but it's challenged me incredibly. So I hope it's done the same for you. But if you're visiting with us today, I know this is kind of the tell end, but I want you to know that through this series, what we've been doing is we've been focusing on uh, seven biblical principles that when applied would not only help us experience success, but more importantly, the abundant life that Jesus promised us in John chapter 10. And so with that in mind, the six decisions we've covered thus far are, as we've said this, is that we will take responsibility Number two was that we will seek wisdom. Number three is that we will be people of action. Number four is that we will have a decided heart. Number five is that we'll choose to be grateful. Number six is that we'll choose to forgive. And so if you've missed any of those, we highly encourage you to go to our website, check out the podcast, or go to iTunes or Podbean, and uh, you can find it there. Because today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our final decision, which is this, is that we'll choose to be persistent, or I will persist. So let's pray and we'll jump in. Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, I don't believe that they're here by accident. God, I thank you that you order our steps. And Lord, we're just asking today that as we slide up to your table, God, with our fork and our knife, so to speak, God, that you would feed us today from heaven. Father, we open up our hearts. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for life change. God, you said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that where Paul said that I plant Apollos waters, but it's you that gives the increase. And so, Lord, we're asking today that you'd bring increase in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's begin by reading a unique story from uh, 2 Kings chapter 13. In this passage, you're going to see that uh, the, the prophet Elisha is, is kind of near the end of his life. Uh, but before he passes away, the king of Israel named Joash, he comes to see him. And as, as Joash is, is weeping over Elisha's pending death, uh, Elisha begins to, to prophesy a last uh, life-changing word to him, to the king. And this is actually the last prophecy that that this prophet of Israel gave. And so let's pick up the story in verse 14. It says this, it says, Now when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. I know that's kind of a weird statement, but it's simply a reference to how Elisha's mentor, Elijah, left the earth. And so in short, he was simply saying, Look, we know that you're about to die. And so it says in verse 15, it says, And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. 
Then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow, and he drew it. And Elisha laid his hand on the king's hands, and he said, open the window eastward, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, this is the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. For you shall fight the Syrians until you have made an end of them. In other words, till you've destroyed them, till you wiped them out. And then it says in verse 18, and he said, Take the arrows, and he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground with them. And he struck three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him, and he said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. And then it says, So Elisha died, and they buried him. So, like I said, kind of a unique scripture, but there's two things I want us to notice here. I want us to notice that there were two significant pieces to Elisha's prophecy, and it's this. The first one was when Elisha tells Joash to shoot the arrow out of the eastward window. You see, in ancient times, it was custom to shoot an arrow or to uh, throw a spear in the direction of the enemy because it served as a symbol, uh, basically, that marked the commencement of war. So therefore, when Elisha had Joash open the window and shoot the arrow towards Syria, it, it's not only, you know, spoke to go into battle, but more importantly, don't miss this, uh, that arrow also represented the promise of the Lord's complete victory over the Syrians. See, it was the Lord's way of assuring them basically of their salvation, of their deliverance, of their safety in battle. It was his way of assuring them that, look, that they would obtain victory over their enemy. Now, the second piece of the prophecy I want us to notice is when Elisha tells Joash to strike the ground. Now, to be clear, so we all have the right picture in our mind, uh, this doesn't mean Elisha was asking him to grab an arrow in his hand and start slamming it into the ground. That's, that's not what that means. The phrase strike the ground actually means to shoot more arrows out of the same window that would ultimately hit the ground. And so this is key. Please don't miss this today. Those arrows, yes, represented Israel's victories. In other words, each arrow represented victory against the Syrians, while the shooting itself represented Joash's faith. But as we just read, we know instead of Joash basically shooting it again and again vigilantly, we, we know that maybe it was, I don't know, due to a lack of zeal or maybe it was a lack of belief of the significance of what he was doing, but he only struck the ground three times only shot three arrows. Now, the reason this made Elisha angry is because he knew that God would only give Joash according to his faith. So, so here's the Lord giving the king a chance to destroy the enemy who had been oppressing them for years, but because he only used three arrows, he only secured a partial victory for Israel. So if we continue to read actually on into the chapter, we would see that God indeed gave them three victories. But ultimately, those three victories were not enough to completely destroy the Syrians as God intended. Once again, you should have struck it five or six times, right? So in my opinion, if I could kind of sum up this portion of Scripture, it would really be in these three words. Basically, it was a missed opportunity. So let's take a moment here to interpret this passage through the lens of our relationship with Jesus and kind of where we've been sitting for the past couple of weeks. So I want you to know that just as the first arrow represented the promise of the Lord's victory, as God's people, we have been given a, a promise of complete victory as well, not only eternally, but also in the here and now. Amen? 
You know, a verse that speaks directly to this is John 16, 33. Jesus talking. I love this verse. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. That's good. It says, in this world you will have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. Watch this last part. He says, my conquest is accomplished. It's done. It's finished. And then it says, my victory abiding. Somebody say victory. You see, it's in that abiding victory where we understand that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's where we understand that greater is he that is in us than he's in the world. It's where we understand that whom the Son is set free is free indeed. It's where we understand that if God is for us, who can be against us, right? It's where we understand that we are overcomers, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That's from that spot of that abiding victory is where we understand that we fight the good fight of faith. It's there where we can actually look in the face of death and say, Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory, right? It's from that abiding victory we understand that thanks be to God who always gives us victory through Jesus Christ. It's there that we understand, once again, to bring it full circle, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. See, we could keep going and going and going, but the point is, is all these promises that we so readily and excitedly grab a hold of, man, they're all connected to the overarching promise of the Lord's victory for our lives. And so similarly to Joash, we know that the complete victory has been made available to every single one of us through the cross. Amen. But watch this. There's that second part. Just as Joash was commanded to strike the ground with more arrows, we have to do our part too. Like remember what the Bible says in Habakkuk. Remember what it says in in Romans and Hebrews. It says several times that the just, those who have been justified, shall live by faith. See, even though the Lord goes before us to provide a way of victory in the, in the natural, in the supernatural realm, we are all still called to partner with that victory through faith-filled action. See, this is why the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, it says this, For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. See, that's God's part, what he's already accomplished. That was the first arrow. And then it says this, And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world Our continuing and persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. That's our part. Now, this might be a unique way of saying this, but I believe if we don't want our lives to be a a missed opportunity, then we need to learn that the part we play in our story is of great significance. It's because of that understanding we choose to strike and to keep striking the ground of the places of our hearts where we need victory. So we strike the ground by prayer, we strike it by repentance, we strike it by declaring the word of God, we strike it by choosing righteousness, we strike it by worshiping, we strike it by faith-filled action until we see victory come to pass. Like we strike the ground right until we're changed, until our character is changed, until our responses change, until our marriage is changed, our families change. Like keep on going, like there's, there's, there's ground to be struck, Amen. Amen. So on that note, I want us to think about something maybe for a moment, if we can make this personal. Like, think about right now, think about an area of your life where you know you need to grow. Where there's an internal battle at hand. Right? Think about an area where you've known for a while that, that just needs to change. I know we don't like that word, but 
but it's a real word, right? Like, like think about something that would be better for you and the people around you if that was no longer on the scene. Do me a favor. Wave your hand if you're like, yeah, I know what mine is. Hey, watch this. <laughs> me too. If this series has done anything, it's helped me do that. Right? Now, even though God has already provided a way of victory, like, let's be honest with ourselves. How many times have we, for lack of better words, struck the ground? Please hear me. Have we struck the ground in that area until we saw a little bit of improvement? Or until we felt temporary relief? Or until the conviction lifted? Or until someone got off our back? Or until the crisis was averted? Like we struck the ground three times and then we, like Joe Ash, we stopped. Only to have that not so wonderful piece of us reappear a week, a month, six months, maybe a year later. Am I the only one that's ever done that and been there? Yeah. So if I could put it this way, like how many times have you and I settled for partial victory in an area where Jesus has died to give us complete victory? Like, how many times have we settled for a small improvement instead of seeing it through until the result that he desires come to pass? Like, probably more times than we admit. So, so if I can ask real quick, like, like, what's missing in that moment? Like, what's the thing that's missing? See, there's a promise that I, that I have clung to for years. It's Psalm 138, verse 8, and it simply says this. It says that God will perfect, that he'll bring to an end, that he will complete Right? That thing that concerns us. Like, I don't know about you, but that thing that's in my mind, it, it concerns me. Right? Well, what's the reason that it hasn't been brought to an end? If the Lord's already shot his arrow, well, why has that thing not been brought to an end? It's because I haven't done, and maybe you haven't done, that missing piece there of what 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 talked about, is that we haven't brought our continuous, persistent faith to the table yet. So if you're here today and you want to know the secret to overcoming the thing that you had in your mind a few seconds ago, I think the secret is found in the seventh decision is simply this, which is, again, where we choose, right, to persist. See, the word persist means this. It means to refuse to give up, especially when faced with difficulty. Continue steadfastly in a course of action despite opposition. Like, y'all do realize that thing that's in your head, the devil doesn't want you to get rid of that, right? Like, I know he doesn't want me to get rid of mine because it causes damage in my life and the people around me. Right? So, so in other words, listen, though, if we, if we want to persist, it's basically this, is that we choose to keep moving forward in spite of what we see, in spite of what we hear, in spite of what we feel, in spite of what we face, in spite of how many times we fall on our face, we get back up because we have a promise. And the promise is one of victory. Amen? All right, so let's shift gears here real quick. I, I believe if you and I, and I believe we all do, that's why we're here, right? It is because we want to be the type of people who choose to be persistent in our pursuit of spiritual growth. And if that's us, we're making that decision. Uh, you know, if, we, if all these things we've been talking about the past few weeks, man, there's a few things that I think we need to remember if we're going to be persistent and kind of keep on moving in the right direction. The, the first thing I want to tell you is found out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's Paul talking. He says this. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, 
It was given to you by God. Watch these next words. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Here's the key I want you to remember, and it may be different than what you think. That if we are not our own, then that must mean, number one, that we are not alone. See, gang, just as we can't save ourselves, we can't change ourselves. Like, I've learned that. Right? And so, listen, we all need someone that's wiser and more powerful and stronger to come to our rescue. And the good news is, is Jesus knew that. Right? See, that's why when we were born again, God reassured us again and again and again through his word and by his presence that he was not only for us and he was not only with us, but he was in us. And he said these promises, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he said this really cool thing. He said, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. In other words, what's he saying there? He's saying, look, don't worry, I'm committed to you. Right, Not just for a day, not just for a week or a month or a year, only in the good times or only when you get it right. He's saying, look, even when you're falling flat on your face, I'm still committed to you from now through eternity. That's good news. See, here's the truth today that, that I know after all these years of walking with Jesus is that he is more committed to our transformation than we are. That's why the first arrow represented his part. It was, a, it was a sign of his commitment, right? So, so please understand that when we choose to strike the ground again and again in all these areas we've been talking about, man, it's not about a show of our willpower or our ability to change ourselves through our human endeavors. Uh, on the contrary, it's this. It is simply us every time we pound the ground is we're choosing to trust him by positioning ourselves again and again and again and again and again in that place to receive this thing called empowering grace. Right? This is where we declare that it's not by my might, not by our power, but it's by His Spirit that we are changed. Amen? See, if you can, remember these promises. It says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, why I think Paul knew that. That's why I think he was so confident when he said this. He said, and I am sure of this. I'm sure of this. I'm, sure, I'm confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to what? completion. Somebody say completion. Bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What he started, he will finish it. That's, that's the arrow. Listen, in the same vein, and this is our part, says this. says, my grace is sufficient for you, for God's power is perfected in our weaknesses. In other words, his power is shown off the most when we're not that cool and great in that area. Right, And then Paul said this, Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ, so that enabling grace may dwell in me. So what am I saying this our part? Is that instead of running away from God and trying to hide our weaknesses from him, like he's been committed to us, so let's be committed to him, and let's keep running to him and again and again and again so we can get his grace on our lives so we can grow like he's called us to grow. Here's the second key, is we need to embrace the process. We need to embrace the process. I know that sounds so simple, but I cannot stress to you how important that is. So let me say this. When it comes to embracing the process, I realize that uh, a lot of people don't like hearing that. Because we live in this culture of instant gratification. Right? We get hungry. We throw something in the microwave. We want to watch a movie. We stream it. Right? We want to hear a song. We go, oh, if you click the buttons, I'm on Spotify, iTunes, and I'm listening. Right? A new story breaks. Once again, if you click the buttons, and we're there. In other words, we live in a culture where we tend to get what we want when we want it, right? 
Now, now, while that may sound incredibly convenient, here's the reality. Please don't miss this. It is as a society, we have greatly diminished our ability to be patient even with ourselves. Here's how that looks. We do five sit-ups, and we can't figure out why we don't have a six-pack. Right? We eat salad on Wednesday, and we can't figure out why we don't look like a supermodel on Thursday. Right? And so what do, we, what do we do when we don't get those instant results? This is truth. Most of the time, we become discouraged and we quit. Right? And I want you to know that not only does it happen with those New Year's resolutions in those areas, but, but it also happens spiritually more than we would like to admit. So, so if, you've, if you've ever been there, and I know I have, I, I want to ask you to consider a verse today. This is a pretty neat scripture to me. Uh, pretty just cool little nugget that's in here. So if you can, just listen to this. It's Joshua chapter 3. This is when uh, we know Moses died. Joshua's now leading Israel. They've been camped out uh, beside the Jordan River, and now it's time to cross it so they can go and start fighting against the enemy so they can claim the promised land. So that's kind of the backdrop. So it says this in verse 15. It says, It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. In other words, it was raining a lot. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, watch this, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. It says, and the water below that point flowed out to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Please notice that just because they didn't see, watch this, an immediate change as they stepped into the river. Notice that. They stepped into the river, and it said a, a far way, a distance, a great distance away, something shifted, right? So, so just because they stepped in the water and it looked the same, listen, it didn't mean that God wasn't moving on their behalf. Listen, I want you to know when it comes to all these decisions we've been talking about, man, I want you to know the same thing takes place. So to expand on that truth, like when it comes to, to our growth, more often than not, uh, we're not only impatient towards ourselves, but we get really impatient with God as well. Like how many times have we thought, God, I read my Bible. I prayed. I fasted. I worshiped today. I said thank you. I forgave that person. I took responsibility once. Why haven't you changed me yet? See, I'm here to tell you basically this, is that if you keep doing those things, the water will back up. It, it, it may not be right in front of you. It may be around the river bend, up the river, right? Uh, listen, where you can't see it's happening, but I want you to know it's happening, right? So, so, like, let's not get frustrated. Let's not get discouraged. Let's not get out of the river, right? Like, let's keep standing our ground until it turns dry because that's what the priest did. They literally stood there in the river, and they waited for that thing to come dry. And I just think this is like things will change if you and I can be patient with ourselves and patient with God. Am I making sense? Think about it this way. A verse we've said often in Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing things. For at the proper time, we will reap if we do not give in. In other words, we will reap a victory if we can just embrace the process. 
See, so part of deciding to me about, you know, deciding to be persistent is about embracing the fact that more often than not, life change is gradual. Like it's true, like small changes over the course of time bring about large results. Small changes over the course of time bring about large results. Think about it this way, and this may be a little awkward, but, but, but if I decided, you know what, tonight I'm going to eat, uh, you know, a dozen Boston cream pie donuts. Yes, they're my favorite, right? If I'm going to eat a dozen of those tonight, more than likely when I wake up in the morning, I probably won't feel that great, but my body's going to look about the same, right? But, but if I decide to eat a dozen donuts every night for the next six months, you might be able to tell the difference. Might get a little fluffy, right? So, so listen, but on the other hand, if I decide to work out really hard for 30 minutes tonight, tomorrow I may be sore, but my body's not going to really look that different. But, but if I keep doing it over six months, Miss Jen might start liking what she's looking at. <laughs> Amen? So, like, I, I say that for this reason. Like, I can testify to you today that, that over the past 26 years that I've walked with Jesus... There's only been a handful of times where, where I feel like he has dramatically changed my life, spiritually speaking, in an instant. Only a few times in 26 years where I've had some kind of encounter with him, some kind of amazing moment where everything just shifted, right? Most of the time it's been, as the late Eugene Peterson said, he said this. This is would, a, a great way to describe my walk with the Lord for the past 26 years. It's been a long obedience in the same direction. So here's what happens. When you, when you embrace the process of long obedience in the same direction, you can look back six months later, a year later, two years later, and you can go, wow, I've really changed in that area, in this area, in that area. You see, what I'm really trying to convey to you today is that sometimes the trajectory of a person's life is more important than their current position. Right? It's about our trajectory. Are we, are we pointing in the direction of change? That's what matters. Amen? Here's the third key that I think we'll need to remember along the way. This is really, really important. Is that we need to remember to put off guilt and shame. We need to remember to put off guilt and shame. So here's the reality. Is that most of us in this room, like I know that I know that I know, we genuinely love God. Like, we really, really love God. That's why we're here. We love Him, right? And we're doing our best to grow in our relationship with Him. We're trying to grow in our marriages. We're trying to grow with our kids. We're trying to grow with our parents. We're trying to grow with our friends. We're trying to grow at work. We're trying to grow as ministers of the gospel because that's all of us, right? Like, we're trying to go grow in all those areas. But here's what I know is that in spite of all of our best efforts, every one of us in this room still make mistakes, Right? And, and it's during those times where, we're, where we make a mistake where the enemy loves to sneak in the back door and heap this thing called guilt and this thing called shame on us. And, and here's what it feels like. I'll give it to you in a real simple way. It, it's where he makes you feel like God's amazing and you're not. Right? So, so with that in mind, let me just maybe ask you. I, I just once consider something. I've never really thought about this. Like, like, when was the last time of focusing or wallowing in our guilt and shame ever produced any positive change in our lives? Like, never. 
right? See, see, the only thing it does, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, is it stops us from being persistent. See, see, that's why the devil uses it so often. Like, like literally, in, in just heart-to-heart vulnerability this morning, think about the times where you've ran really hard after God, and, and then maybe you got off track a little bit, and then guilt and shame came, and then you didn't get back up and run as hard. Like, how many times does that happen in our lives, right? So, so even, even this week, like I went, okay, even this morning, I'll just be honest with you, even this morning in my own prayer time, I'm like, feeling that, right? And, and I had to go, okay, well, well, let me do what I typically do when I feel that way, right? Because like I said, I make mistakes just like you, right? The only difference is, is I, I have to preach, right? And so here's what I have to do when, when the enemy comes in and tries to make me feel like I'm, I'm worthless and I'm garbage and I'm, and I'm a hypocrite and I'm no good, Okay? is I have to remember what Colossians 1.22 says. It says, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. See, man, in, in, in 26 years, the best way I've learned thus far to combat those negative feelings is by reminding myself of how God has chosen to see me. I may not see myself that way. Other people may not see me that way, but I have to rest in the fact that Jesus has chosen to see me that way. You see, when you look at that, there's like this courtroom legal language in it, if you really get down in the Greek, and really what it means is this, is basically you're not guilty and there's no punishment. Thank God. Right? Because if you're anything like me, sometimes you don't need punishment from somewhere else. You do a really good job punishing yourself. Right? Yeah. All right, here's the last key we need to remember along the way. And let me, let me say this before I, before I give this. In a second, here's how we're going to end. And if you're visiting with us today, um, I, I apologize. We don't typically do it this way. But, but I love to even Pastor Chris prayed into it. Like, we, we are a church family. Okay, and so how we're going to end today, and it doesn't, it's not, it's not a contest, it's not a, it's, we're simply going to grab a person around us, it can be our spouse, or it can be a friend, or it can be a complete stranger, and we're going to ask them in a second, hey, which one of these do you need to grow in? Can I pray for you about it? And we're going to pray for each other, okay? And listen, it's okay. I realize that most people are, are uncomfortable with that. But if we're going to do life together, then it's okay to be vulnerable in that area and say, hey, I'm a little nervous about this, but I still want to do it. Okay? And it could be a minute prayer, it could be a two-minute prayer, or it could be a five-minute prayer. does not matter. Y'all still love me? All right. All right, here's the last key I think we need to remember along the way. If we're going to be persistent, we need to keep choosing to be persistent, right? Like, like you, you know how to stay persistent. You stay persistent, okay? I'm giving this to you intentionally. How do we do this last? We just got to keep doing it, right? And so with that said, a few weeks ago, um, I, I, I read this quote. It comes from The Traveler's Gift, but it says this, that our very lives are fashioned by choice, 
Our very lives are fashioned by choice. First, we make choices, then our choices make us. Like, if that's true, again, and I know I've said this, but we are who we are and where we are today because the decisions we have made up until this point in our lives. So, like, like I recognize that there have been decisions made by others that have impacted us either in a positive or negative way, but overall, we have to stop and admit to ourselves that we are right here because the culmination of the choices we have made, right? Now, while that might be sobering to some, I'm not saying it for that reason. I'm saying it to you today because I think that's incredibly encouraging. And here's why I say that, because if it's true that I am who I am today and where I am today because of decisions I made, then that means that we get to choose who we will be and where we will be in the future, Like, it doesn't matter if it's six months or if it's a year, if it's five years or if it's ten years. Guess what? We get to choose where we are heading. It's this beautiful thing called a free will. We get to make a choice. Amen? Amen. So so to bring maybe, you know, into this the other six decisions that we've been talking about, right? Because we're just trying to wrap this up today. Over the past six weeks, right, like, like we've been talking about some pretty awesome stuff. And so if I can kind of just insert it in this moment, like, can you imagine how different our lives would be if we chose to take responsibility consistently instead of blaming others? Right? Like, like we've ended for weeks intentionally like this, but, but can you imagine how different our lives would be if we uh, sought God's wisdom consistently instead of depending on our own? Like, how different would our lives be if we took faith-filled action consistently instead of choosing to do nothing? How different would our life be if we chose to have a decided heart consistently instead of wavering and waffling on our purpose? Like, how different would our lives be if we chose to be grateful consistently instead of complaining? That's where my leg's at, in all honesty. Can you imagine how different our lives would be if we chose to forgive people consistently instead of becoming offended so easily? Like, how different could our lives be if we would just choose to persist in those six areas? See, there's this quote that I read the other day. It simply says this, The tragedy of life is not that man loses but that he almost wins. When I look at those six areas, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to lose. Yeah? Because in my losing, it affects people I love. Right? All right, let's end with this. In Andy Andrews' book that kind of corresponds with the Traveler's Gift, it's called Mastering the Seven Decisions. He shared a story about a, a tribe of Australian aboriginals Uh, or aborigines, as a lot of people call them, uh, rainmakers. Here's what he wrote. And it's not that I, if you're visiting, that I believe we necessarily do this, but there's a point here, okay? So here's what he wrote. He said, this particular tribe of rainmakers always made it rain. Now, aboriginals are known for their rain dances, but some tribes were more successful than others. And word got around that this particular tribe was able to make it rain. When the white communities were in trouble due to drought, they began to call this particular tribe to do their rain dance. 
On one such occasion, the leader of the white community went to the king of this renowned group and said, Why is it that every single time you dance, it rains? The king replied, It's very simple, actually. We dance till it rains. So with those seven decisions in mind that we've been talking about through this series, like I'm asking you today, like what area do you need to dance until it rains? Can you stand to your feet? And so I'm going to ask you, literally leaving no person out, and, and if you're like, hey, once again, I'm nervous, whatever, it's okay to be honest with the person around you. If you're like, okay, I need to grow in that area. See, there's something about accountability there's something about being honest with people to go, okay, look, I need to grow in that area. Will you pray for me and, and let them pray for you and you tell them and you pray for them. Can we do that? If you're not right with God, this is a great moment to say, you know, I'm not really where I should be. That's the most important thing at the moment is if you're like, you know, look, that, that is, talking about decisions, that is the greatest decision you'll ever make is to serve Jesus. If you're backslid and say, look, I, 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 once I was, I'm not there, but, but, but I need to today. And let that person pray for you in that area. Jesus, we thank you for your truth that we've heard over the last seven weeks. God, these are truly truths from your heart. God, that you've set in course in our lives so that we can be who you've called us to be. Yes, but so we can experience the life that you promised us. And so, Father, today as we're in this moment, we just simply ask that the Holy Spirit would come and the Holy Spirit would reveal to us in the areas that, that we need to grow in. It might not be just one. It might be two. It might, it might be every single one of them. But, Lord, as we connect with the person next to us today, Father, would you help us to connect heart to heart, spirit to spirit, and just kind of pray and encourage one another. Because today, the, the overarching truth is, is that arrow has been shot. The victory has been won. You have provided a pathway for that victory to be accomplished. Lord, we just need to walk with you. So, Lord, would you help us in this moment to connect with somebody around us and just pray our heart for them as they pray their heart for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.